how to bind the strong man. How to bind the strong man. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you have moved in my heart. And you have given a very specific word for this fellowship today. And I thank you. And I ask that you quicken this word in my heart and pour it forth like fire. Almighty one of Israel, would you receive the glory and the honor today? I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Normally I prepare sermons six to eight weeks in advance. And then I hold that sermon and I pray over it. And as the time comes, I give that sermon. But the sermon that I'd planned for today, as I went before the Lord last night, there was no quickening in my spirit. It was just dead on the page. And so I began to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, why is this sermon dead? You gave it to me. And there was nothing. And I began to say, Lord, I'll go tomorrow and I'll sit on the front seat and we'll have 45 minutes of meditation because I'm not going to preach if you don't quicken a word in my heart. Otherwise, everyone will go to sleep. They'll be bored and they'll be upset. I'm just going to sit still. So I waited. Finally, last night, late, I was praying and I was saying, Lord, would you just send the snow? Then I won't have to preach tomorrow. (laughs) Just send the snow. I'm willing to just drop this if you are. And he began to speak. And as usual, when he began to speak with me, he began by asking me questions. And his question was, how do you bind the strong man? And I said, Lord, I don't know how to bind the strong man. And there was silence. And then he began to give me passage of scripture after passage of scripture. He didn't tell me what they said. He just gave me the scripture. And I had to look up the scripture to find out what it said. And so today I'm going to simply walk with you through these scriptures. I'm going to share with you what the Lord said to me. I'm doing this in two areas. One, you as an individual have a responsibility to bind the strong man that would twist and contort your life and your family's life. Secondly, you have a responsibility as a part of the National Prayer Chapel to come in agreement with your brothers and sisters and bind the strong man over Washington, D.C. The Lord said to me, the reason Weva has not opened 
is the National Prayer Chapel has not bound the strong man. And so he gave this to me as a gift to give to you. Today's message is a gift from the heart of Jesus to the Holy Spirit for our protection and for the advancement of God's kingdom. The first passage of Scripture that he gave me was Matthew, the 12th chapter. Jesus has been healing all of the sick. The Pharisees are responding to the healing of the sick by saying, how can we kill this man? That's incomprehensible to me. You watch someone who is on a bed of sickness, lifted up, you see the blind, their eyes open, you hear the shouts of the mute as they praise the name of God, and your response to it is, how can we kill the one doing this? They were obviously controlled by the strong man. Chapter 12, verse 29. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. So if the strong man is not bound, and you go in to recover what he has taken from you, he'll beat you up. And some of you are beat up because the strong man has not been bound. Some of you are wondering, why is this trouble coming upon our family? Because the strong man is not bound. Some of you young people are wondering, why am I having such a struggle with my classwork, with my schoolwork, with my friends, with why am I struggling like this? Because the strong man has not been bound in your life. And some of you have said, okay, then it's easier for me to just go with the strong man. And so some of you young people, you're going into school and you have to look a certain way to be acceptable to the strong man in that school. You have to have a certain hairstyle. You have to have a certain clothing style. You have to look a certain way and talk a certain way. And so you wouldn't talk that way around mom and dad. But when you go out with your friends, you'll talk that way because that's how you have to talk if you're going to be accepted. That's the strong man's arena. He's in charge. He's in control. And so you'll look like and act like and talk like the strong man who is the thief and who is the murderer and who is the liar. And some of you will go to work and you will talk like the strong man because this is the strong man's place and he controls it. And so you submit to him. And so the strong man steals from you more and more of your peace, of your joy. He steals from you your integrity. He steals from you your very personality. Because the strong man is not bound. You pray and you see no answer to your prayers. 
You say, Lord, change my heart, and there's no change of your heart. Why? Because it's still the arena of the strong man. He has not been bound. And the strong man comes to contort and twist and break, to destroy. He is the father of lies. But because it's more comfortable to submit to him, we submit to him. And we say, okay, I'm going to go with the flow. This is how they talk at work. This is how they talk at school. That's how I'm going to talk. If we're going to walk in victory in Jesus Christ, this strong man is going to have to be bound. We're not going to be able to walk under his dominion any, any longer. The strong man must be bound. Now, how do we bind the strong man? Let's go step by step through the binding of the strong man. The Lord then took me to John, the 15th chapter, the 7th verse. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Let me read it again. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Now, in my walk with the Lord God of heaven, I have thought of this passage as generic. What do I mean? I've always thought it in terms of, okay, I'm going to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. I'm going to enter into Jesus Christ. And then I will remain in Jesus Christ by reading the scriptures and by praying and by having a relationship with Jesus. When I was taught in seminary, everything was about a personal relationship with Jesus. And the question would be asked, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? When I went through evangelism explosion, the question was, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Well, yes, I have this emotional, sentimental feeling in my heart that says I love Jesus. And so I praise him and I honor him and I say, Lord, I love you. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I love him. He's my secret friend. I mean, when my April was just a little girl, she had a secret friend. She loved her little secret friend. It was invisible to all of us. But she would give her little animals to her secret friend to play with. She loved her secret friend. Some of us have Jesus as our secret friend. We give him things. We tell him how much we love him. He's our little secret friend, invisible to everybody else. Because it's not safe to have Jesus as anything but an invisible friend when we live in the strong man's land. 
And so the Holy Spirit began to reveal this passage to my heart. And I want to tell you what he said to me about this passage of Scripture. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. I want to ask, Lord, bind the strong man. Because I've made a discovery. I cannot bind him. He is stronger than I am. I can't bind him. So if I cannot bind the strong man, Jesus Christ has to come in the power of the Spirit and bind this strong man. Now, what will cause Jesus to come and bind the strong man in your life or in your family or over Weva? If you remain in me. And I said, Lord, I don't understand. I am remaining in you. What do you mean if I remain in you? What does that mean? And he used another word. He said, abide in me. I said, Lord, I don't know what it means to abide in you. Will you tell me what that means? And then he began to reveal it to me. And I share this with you. The Holy Spirit comes and he says, Ray, don't pick that up anymore. Don't pick that up anymore. And I say, oh, okay. I won't pick that up anymore. Now I have an abiding place. I have an abiding place. And now as I abide in that place, I can watch as the Holy Spirit begins to bind the strong man. As soon as I leave that abiding place, the strong man comes in and takes over again. And so the, the Spirit of God comes and he says, you know that magazine? That magazine that is about all the, the gossip of the, of the movie world? That's about all of the people who are doing the music? Who who is outlining all of the styles of the day. And the Holy Spirit convicts you, young person, and says, don't pick up that magazine anymore. And now you have to make a decision. Are you going to take up your abiding place in Jesus? Or are you going to leave that place of abiding? And if you leave that place of abiding, you have no authority to bind a strong man. The Holy Spirit comes and says, 
Look at this area of food. I don't want you to do that anymore. I want you to lay that down. In fact, I want you to have only one meal a day. Now, most of us would say we need three meals a day, or at least two meals a day. But if the Holy Spirit knows that there's something in my nature that he needs to deal with, he may set as an abiding place one meal a day. Now, the reason I need to say this to you is that the abiding place is not always about a specific sin. It's about something in your heart. And it takes dealing with this exterior to get to that hard issue. For example, he may say to some of you, you know that cup of coffee you live for every morning? I don't want you to take that coffee anymore. And you say, what? How can I live without my coffee in the morning? I get up because I can have that cup of coffee. If I can't have that, I can't get awake. I can't do anything. And the Lord says, I want you to leave that cup of coffee alone. Now, that place of abiding may be for six months. It may be for a month. It's going to be for whatever length of time is necessary for the Holy Spirit to deal with the internal trusting in the land of the strong man. So when he identifies a specific area and he asks you, would you please leave that alone? If you continue to engage in that activity, you will see several things happen in your life. One, coldness will creep into your heart. Rebellion will creep into your heart. When you read the scriptures, they will not come alive for you. They will taste like cardboard. When you come to the prayer circle, you will be silent. Because you have nothing to say. You're listening, you're watching, you're an observer. Anger will grow in your spirit. And the only way this can be broken is to go back to that place of abiding that was assigned to you. And the Lord God of heaven will not speak with you again until you have returned to that place of abiding. He will simply withdraw and stand afar off and he will wait for you. And if you then just go on with your normal life, your heart will grow increasingly calloused. Your faith in Jesus will become a mere external religion. And there will be no quickening of your heart in the spirit. Now, this is very difficult word for some of you. Because some of you have long ago left the place of abiding. 
He has given you not one place, but many places. And you have left those places of abiding, and you have said, okay, I'm going to go out on my own. I'll read the scripture, I'll pray, I'll go to church, I'll pay my tithe, but I'm not going to do what Jesus has asked me to do. Because it's not really that important after all. I can make it through this on my own. The strong man now begins to ravage you and your family, and he begins to ravage the National Prayer Chapel. Because that place of abiding, that remaining in Jesus, has been desecrated. And you'll think to yourself, but, but this is such a small thing. I mean, does God really care if I have a cup of coffee in the morning? To tell you the truth, no, he doesn't. What he cares about is where that cup of coffee is connected in your heart. That it's the baby bottle you suck on. That's what he's concerned about. He doesn't care if you sit down and have a wonderful meal. In fact, he wants you to sit down and eat a bountiful meal because he's given it to you. But he may pull you back from that in order to begin getting at these inner places where you put your trust in things of the flesh and you reject things of the spirit. So then your kids begin to have all kinds of difficulties. You begin to have difficulties at work, and you're saying, why is God treating me this way? You know, I'm doing everything I know to do. No, you're not. You've left your place of abiding. You are not walking in that peace. And I wonder if we went to each person in this room and asked the question, is there any place of abiding in Jesus that you have left? What would your answer be? The Holy Spirit's already told me what the answer is. He's telling me we're not going to move forward as a national prayer chapel with Weva until we have returned as a congregation to our places of abiding. He's calling us to that. And for each of us, it's a different place. Because each of us have different parts of rebellion in our heart. And some of you have established such busy, full lives. So you don't even have an opportunity to reflect or think about this. And you believe that that busy, full life is mandatory for survival. And of course, under the strong man's rule, it is mandatory. But again, the question comes, are you willing to return to that place of abiding with Jesus? Now, you may be wondering, Pastor, you're hanging an awful lot on your interpretation of this place of abiding. Let's go through a couple of other scriptures. John, the fifth chapter. Verse 28, John 5, beginning with verse 28 and reading through verse 30. Do not be amazed at this, 
For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, I have a place of abiding with the Father. And in my place of abiding with the Father, I don't dictate the terms of that abiding. He is the one who determines what the abiding will be. Now, we're looking at the sinless Son of God. We who are sinful now have to look at how Jesus functioned and look carefully at this issue and say, if Jesus had a place of abiding with the Father, and if he was very clear that he would have no personal agendas, then should we not also live that way? Now, you recognize that what breaks down that place of abiding very quickly is when I say, but I want. But I want. For me, one of those places of abiding is the reading of newspapers. The Lord has told me to lay them down. But I've responded many times to that command by saying, the Lord wants me to know what's happening. He wants me to be informed. And there's no big deal with picking up a newspaper and reading it. Ray, that's your neurosis. You know, you're just being tough on yourself. Well, no, I'm not. The Holy Spirit has said, lay it down, Ray. Now, there may come a time when I will be able to sit down and read the newspaper again. But certainly not until the Lord has accomplished what he has called me to this place of abiding for, which is to totally break this part of my heart that demands to know. After all, I'm an educated man. I should know what's going on in the world. I should know what's happening. How will I know how to pray if I don't know what's happening? As though I have to go to the strong man to find out what I should pray about. Now, I'm not telling any person in this congregation that they should not read the newspaper. Please hear what I'm saying to you. The Lord has told me not to read it because he's getting at something in my heart that is in rebellion against his heart. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, I'll only read it for the good. I'll only read it for the good. But it's still the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because that's still the tree that a part of my heart wants to go and worship. Because if I'm well informed, I won't appear stupid when I talk to people. 
as though it were important that I would not be stupid. I mean, where do I find in Scripture where it says, you can do my work if you're not stupid? No, it doesn't say that. But a part of my heart rises up and demands that I have access to the strong man's publications. The Lord may say to you, from now on, turn the television off. Just turn it off. The Lord has said that to a number of you in this congregation. Turn it off. He said that to me, and I thought I was very badly persecuted. I thought he was treating me harshly. And he gave me a, a caveat. He said, you may sit down and watch the television when Jan wants to sit down and watch the television. <laughs> and Jan very seldom has any interest in sitting down and watching the news or, or anything on the television. I said, Lord, that's not fair. <laughs> it was a place of abiding. And then after that was comfortable for me, the Lord then came and said something else to me. He said, now, lead Jan away from the television. I said, what? You mean now I'm responsible? I thought Jan was responsible. No, you lead Jan away from the television. Because Jan, I'll tell on her, she likes to sit down and watch the television sometimes. Because she likes to snuggle. And she knows that if I will sit down with her, I'll watch the television and she can go to sleep in my arms. So it's not the television she wants, it's the closeness she wants. And so I get what I want, and she gets what she wants. That's a good deal. And the Lord said, lead her away from that. Now that's a place of abiding. You see, the, the Lord is saying, I come with no agenda. I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. In other words, I have totally laid aside all of my personal agendas. And I now have only one agenda, and that is to please the Father in heaven. And that is my abiding place. That's where I live. That's where I rest, in Jesus. And everything in my heart that rises up and says, but I need this in addition to Jesus. The Lord God of heaven is going to call me apart from it. And he's going to make that obedience a place of abiding, a place of remaining.
Now, there's another scripture we need to look at. First John, First John, the second chapter, verse three. First John two, verse three. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anybody obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. In other words, the Lord is going to look at us and ask the question, are you walking like I walked? See, the place of abiding, the place of abiding becomes the the launching place for the rocket of prayer. Some of you are having a great deal of difficulty praying. The reason you're having difficulty being powerful in the prayer closet is because you have forsaken places of abiding where you have been called by the Holy Spirit. You can't pray with power when you are not in that abiding place. You go into the prayer closet And you focus your attention on this issue, but there's no heart moving toward it because you have deserted the launching place where God will hear your prayer. Did you know to pray with power, you have to be quickened by the Holy Spirit? You cannot pray out of the human spirit. That comes with a quickening of the Spirit of God. And that quickening of the Spirit of God comes into your heart when you are in that place of abiding. Supernaturally, things begin to change around you and in you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If we together, as a national prayer chapel, will make a covenant to come into the presence of God to repent for leaving the places of abiding that he has called us to, and if we will once more take up our place in that point of abiding, you will see strangers walking in the door and joining the national prayer chapel without the radio. you will see God begin to move on behalf of this congregation to look out for us and to build us up. And if we do not do that, he will look after us to tear us down and to destroy us. What you do in the secret place of your house is evidenced in this house. What I do in the secret place, if I abide in what Jesus has told me to abide in, 
or if I choose to rebel and walk in my own flesh, it will be evident in this house. This house and your house are tied together. We cannot come to this house and ask for revival in Washington if our hearts are not in that abiding place with Jesus. But if our hearts are in that abiding place, if rebellion is gone, and we are submitted to that place that he has called us in the little things, then will we see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the public meeting when we come together? You will see a great expression of joy breaking forth. You'll see new people coming in, and, and when you say, how did you hear about the Lord? The Lord told me to come to this house. I'm here because Jesus sent me. Because we as a fellowship are being honest with the Lord about walking with integrity in the abiding places that he's given each one of us. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. If you do not remain in those places that he has called you to, you are a liar if you say you are a Christian. That's what it says. Now, please let me be very specific. Some of you have come into this house today, and you know you have left your place of abiding. Some of you have come into this house today, and God has asked you to take up a place, and you're rebelling against it. You're saying, no, I'm going to read this. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to continue this practice. I will not submit this. I'm going to continue to feel this anger toward my wife or my husband. I'm not going to forgive. I'm going to let this bitterness rule in my heart. I'm going to be stoic. I mean, remember King Asa? He was a righteous and holy man. But he made a mistake in judgment. And when he was rebuked for his mistake in judgment, bitterness took his heart over. Very quickly, bitterness took his heart. You can't speak to me that way, he said. The Lord finally, to get his attention, gave him a disease of the feet. And he refused to go to the Lord and ask the Lord about his feet because he knew he had left his abiding place. And so he paid a lot of money to the doctors and the doctors could do nothing for him. And finally it says, and he died. And he died. 
So today I'm asking you, has the Lord called you to places of obedience that you have been treating as nothing? Saying, it doesn't matter if I think this, it doesn't matter if I do this, it doesn't matter if I go here or go there, it doesn't matter if I act like this, it really doesn't matter. God doesn't care. And yet he's called you, that soft inner voice has been calling you and has been saying to you, don't do that, lay it down, don't go there. And you've been rebelling against that. Are you willing today to return and abide in Jesus Christ? To take up that place of abiding. If you will return and take up those places of abiding where he has called you, suddenly you will see the Holy Spirit's power being manifested in your life and in the life of this fellowship as the strong man is bound by Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to tell you my experience. As I have ceased rebelling, and stepped into obedience on those places of abiding, I have seen Jesus begin to move, but frankly, not on day one. Usually not on day two. It may take a week. It may take two weeks. Why? Because the Lord wants to know if I will remain in him. Or if I'm just doing it to get the strong man bound. The Lord does not like to be used. He wants to know, will we take up that place of abiding in him? And will we allow the Spirit of God to bind the strong man in our own hearts? And if we will allow that change in the innermost part of our being, then he will begin to move in the exterior world to bind the strong man. Some of you have spouses that are not with you. If you will take that place of abiding that Jesus has called you to, and if you will be utterly faithful in that place of abiding, you now can watch as your spouse will be set free. Any known disobedience, any continual walking not in accord with the Spirit, will block this work of the Holy Spirit in your husband or wife or in your friends or in your church. That's a heavy price to pay for rebellion. Are you willing to pay it? Or does your heart cry out after Jesus? Do you desire to see this church filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit? Do you desire to see the moving power of God on behalf of this city? then you have to stand in that place of abiding and not leave it.
Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Now there's one last passage that we need to look together at. And that's found in 1 Peter, the first chapter. 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 1, to God's elect. That's to you. To God's national prayer chapel. Strangers in the world. Do you notice the first descriptor of who we are? Strangers in the world. Scattered throughout Washington, D.C., through Montgomery County, through Prince William County, through the District of Columbia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. So what have we been called for? What have we been chosen for? The sanctifying work of God. Verse 16. For it is written... Be holy because I am holy. Literally, he's saying, go to the abiding place because that's where I abide. Holy is set apart. What's it set apart to? It's set apart to an abiding place. Now, we've shared earlier that that place of rest in Scripture, in Galatians, I'm sorry, in Hebrews, Chapters 3 and 4, that place of abiding is there called his reposing down place, his bedroom. So what I want you to recognize today is that when Jesus says to you, I want you to take that cup of coffee and put it on the shelf, you're not to have that anymore. Or I want you to take that newspaper and put it away, you're not to read that anymore. Or when he says to me, some other specific direction. What he's saying is, Ray, you have a choice. You can continue to have what you want, or you can come into my bedroom and have intimacy with me. And in that bedroom, there's some things I want to do in your heart. I want to break some power of sin. I want to set you free. I want to bind the strong man. I want to release you. See, the devil says that God wants to beat us up. But it's the devil that beats us up. The devil says God wants to steal from you. But God doesn't steal from us. The devil does. The devil says God wants to take away all your fun. But the devil's the one that puts us in chains and steals all the fun. How much fun is there a family when mom and dad are at each other's throats? You kids answer that one. When mom and dad are at each other, is there much fun? I don't think so. Everything gets real tense and tight and everybody's, oh, the atmosphere, you can cut it with a knife. The kids kind of slink back in the background and say, mom and dad think they can't hear, but 
They hear everything. That's a devil that sets that deal up. I can remember a few times when my mom and dad had some arguments. You know where I was? At their door with my ear to the keyhole. Inquiring ears wanted to know what was the state of my family. Well, the devil's the liar. He's the one who who wants to destroy my family. Be holy because I am holy. Be set apart because I'm set apart. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of a of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. In other words, the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for us. And what it does is bring us into that place of abiding. Remaining. Now notice verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Oh, wait a minute. The blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ will only purify you from sin as you're in that place of abiding. There is no cleansing for sin if you've left the abiding place. You either walk in the light or you walk in the darkness. Do you understand? The Lord has called each of us to a place of abiding. A specific call. He has whispered into your heart, leave this alone, lay it aside. It could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be food, it could be games, it could be coffee, it could be television, it could be anything that would draw us into darkness. Some of it may be totally innocent in and of itself. But the Lord says, come out of that because there's something in our heart that he wants to get at and he wants to deal with. And as we step by faith into that place of abiding, the scripture says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. In other words, we become purified, we become washed, we become transformed in the likeness of Jesus by stepping into the abiding place that he calls us to. Now, one of the, one of the ways that the Lord has called me is to come into his presence and read his word. And I'm, I tremble with fear at reading his word. 
the reason I tremble with fear is I don't know what the next abiding place will be. But he will speak to me as I read the word. If there's an abiding place that I have left and forgotten about, as I read the word and ask him to reveal it, he will reveal it and he'll call me back to it. The Lord doesn't drop the little pieces. He doesn't drop the little pieces. And so as I walk in obedience, I read the word, particularly the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount just cuts my heart because it deals with the specifics of walking as a Christian. It was, if you please, the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. It was Mount Sinai for the Christians. And as we read that, the Lord will call you into places of abiding. And if you'll step into that place, He will meet you. And as you remain in that place, He will begin to bind the strong man and you will see him being bound with your eyes. See, we go around saying, I bind the devil here, and I bind the devil there. Well, you don't have any power to bind anything. Even in the name of Jesus, you don't have any power to bind anything. Because when you say in the name of Jesus, you're putting Jesus' name at the bottom of your life. And if you have left your abiding places, it's a forged letter. So he calls us into this place of abiding, and he says, now, will you walk this out? Some of you, he's saying, will you lay aside those magazines? Will you just not pick them up anymore? Some of you, he's going to say, will you lay aside your catalogs? Will you just lay aside your catalogs? Well, what's so bad about catalogs, Pastor? Nothing. I love them. But if I spend an hour every night going through my catalogs, doing my wishless dream deal, the Lord might have some issue with me. You know, what's wrong to going to WorldNet Daily on the Internet? Well, probably nothing. But what if I have a quickening in my heart that says, oh, I've got to get down to my computer and I've got to get on the Internet. I want it. There's something wrong here. There's something drawing my heart and it's the strong man. So the Lord is asking you today, do you know those places of abiding that he has invited you into? And are you willing to return and be faithful to those places of abiding? Are you willing to step in and begin to take seriously that this wasn't just some neurotic thought that came to your mind? This was really Jesus. And he wants you to step into that. And if by some chance you're wrong and it wasn't Jesus who asked you there, he'll still meet you there. 
because he wants your heart to be for him first. He wants to be the encompassing presence of your whole life. He wants to be the sweet aroma of your life. It says you've been now that you've been purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you can have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. This process of being born again is going on day by day as you abide in Jesus, as you remain in Jesus in very specific places. Today I wonder what your decision is about Jesus. Will you abide in him? Will you rest in him? Not generically, but specifically.